Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Do you live as if you're in the last days on earth? It may not always be obvious, but the signs are all around us. Today in his update, Pastor J.D. points us to many scriptures that clearly point us to the plans that God has for the earth as he prepares for his kingdom to become a reality for us. Stay alert and stay close to God. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on July 24th, 2022. I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us today, as I hope you'll see here shortly. I want to talk with you about how it is that The world today is now at the proverbial finish line prophetically. And by that I mean, in terms of Bible prophecy, we've reached the end and are about to cross this finish line. Can I say it like this, pre-tribulation rapture finish line? And here's why. Bible prophecy is swiftly careening forward, which points to the rapture and commencement of the seven-year tribulation. I want to begin by drawing your attention to two significant developments that took place just this last week concerning Israel. You're already, should we just close in prayer? You guys already know exactly where I'm going, and for good reason. Now, it is interesting because these significant developments are concerning Israel, which I guess it could be said that Israel and the prophecies concerning Israel have seemingly taken a back seat over the last two plus years. But here's the thing, the prophecies in the Bible concerning Israel, of which there are many, they may have taken a back seat, but they're still in the same fast-moving vehicle. In other words, it wasn't put on pause. There have been significant developments. Actually, it could be argued that they've even accelerated as they speed forward toward their prophesied end, according to the Bible. Now, I'm going to have to ask you to do something that you might remember a school teacher asking you when you were young. I need you to put your thinking cap on. Used to hate that when the teacher would say that to me, but 
because I want to go over several prophecies. I Actually, there's a number of them here. And it might seem voluminous, like there's a lot of these, but you guys can do it. <laughs> and every single one of the prophecies that I want us to look at all connect. And let me say it this way, even intersect. And specifically, as it relates to how they speak to the geopolitical positioning of the nations that invade Israel, and not only invade Israel, but also divide Jerusalem. And here's what I mean by connect and intersect. The common denominator with all of these prophecies that we're going to go over, they tie into this final global government, global religion, and global economy. So, you ready? Ezekiel, I love you guys. Ezekiel 38, very well known. I'd like to read verses 1 through 6. This is a well-known prophecy concerning a yet future invasion of Israel. And we're told, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Now, verse 5, for the benefit of those who are relatively new to Bible prophecy, we have a, I'll call it a grocery list of nations that are named by their ancient names, starting with Persia, which we know today to be modern day Iran. Cush and Put, this would be the region of Ethiopia, etc. And will be with them all with shields and helmets, also Gamar, with all its troops. And Beit Togarma, that's actually the Arabic, Beit means house of Togarma, or Beth Togarma, from the far north with all its troops and the many nations with you. So I wanted to stop at verse 6, but don't leave that yet, because I want to draw your attention to verse 13 in a moment, but I need to kind of set the stage here. So we have this list of nations, and for the purpose of our update today, let's just talk about the main three that are at the helm of this allied invasion of Israel. It is Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Now there are other nations involved. And it is believed, and present company included, 
that all of the nations that are listed in this prophecy are already at the ready, particularly in Syria, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So the first six verses provide us now with the who, but let's talk about the what and the why. That's verse 13. After listing the nations that will invade Israel, verse 13 tells us who will not be invading. And it is interesting, not just the nations that are listed in this prophecy that are part of this allied invasion, but those that are conspicuously absent, completely from the prophecy, i.e. Egypt, no mention. Jordan, no mention. How about this one? Syria. You would think Syria is right there. We'll come back to Syria, but they're not included in this. Uh, what about the Arabian Peninsula? We know it today as Saudi Arabia. The reason it's Saudi Arabia and not Wahhabi Arabia, I, this isn't in my notes, so, but I already opened up the can, so let me explain this. It went to the house of Saud, not the Wahhabis, but the Saudis, when that area we know as the Arabian Peninsula was given to Beit Saud, Ibn Saud, the family, the house of Saud, hence the name Saudi Arabia. Now in, in verse 13, we're told what their ancient name was before it was Saudi Arabia. And it's very key, and it's in fact germane to our understanding of this prophecy, which is a key prophecy. And it's Sheba and Dedan. This is the area we know today as the Gulf area, Saudi Arabia, those Gulf states, those oil-rich states, as they're referred to, well, we're told about them in verse 13. And the merchants of Tarshish, I know there's a lot of debate and speculation. Time doesn't permit, nor do we need to necessarily go there. And all her villages will say to you. Now, this is the why behind the what of this invasion. Have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to seize much plunder? Answer, yes. It's not in the text, but that's exactly what they're doing. Which presupposes a couple of things first, chief of which is that Israel has to be a nation in order for Ezekiel 38 to be fulfilled. Well, that happened May 14th, 1948. So we can check that box. Another thing has to happen. Once Israel was reborn as a nation, which was another huge prophecy, that really started the ball rolling, the clock ticking. You can choose whatever metaphor you want on that one. But it also presupposes that once Israel's back in the land, they are prospering and rich and wealthy, and they have silver, gold, livestock, good. They have all of this plunder to seize, and they do. 
So we can check that box too. Now, why is verse 13 so germane to our understanding of Ezekiel's prophecy? Because, and stay with me, if you've got Russia, Iran, Turkey at all, all in Syria as we speak, at the ready to fulfill exactly what we're told in this prophecy in Ezekiel that was written some 2,500 plus years ago. And you've got Saudi Arabia, who all of a sudden it would appear is kind of uh, chummy with Israel. Well, that's what it says. They're protesting this invasion. They're questioning this alliance of nations. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Are you going to take what Israel has? It almost sounds like um, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and oh, some of these uh, other countries that currently have wonderful foreign relations with Israel, as we speak again, are not going to be part of this because they are on Israel's side of the table, if I can say it like that. So hang on to that. Let's talk about Syria. You know this one well. Isaiah 17.1, it's also in Jeremiah 49, but it's a prophecy against Damascus. What's the prophecy? See, behold, Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a heap of ruins. So here's what I'm thinking. This invasion from the north, Ezekiel 38, comes vis-a-vis Syria. And the fulfillment of Isaiah 17.1 explains the conspicuous absence of Syria being involved in this alliance of nations that invades Israel. We already have verse 13 of Ezekiel 38 explaining to us where Saudi Arabia and those nations are in this equation and prophecy. But we really haven't had an explanation until Isaiah 17.1 as to why it is. I mean, it would stand a reason that Syria would certainly be involved, right? Well, if it's destroyed, then that would explain why <laughs> Syria is not involved. I know that might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, but it seems like the target is not just Israel, but Jerusalem. So let's talk about Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens, and layeth the foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him, behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and Jerusalem. And then verse 3, And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone, boundary stone, heavy stone for all people, all that burden themselves, try to move the boundary stones, try to cut up Jerusalem, divide Jerusalem, 
all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. At the risk of an oversimplification, this is a, again a well-known prophecy that speaks to how the entire world will have this intoxicating obsession with dividing Jerusalem into two states, with Jews and Palestinians, so-called, no such thing, Jews and Palestinians living side by side together in, quote, peace and security. You want to come back to that? And again, I know you know where I'm going with that. So the focus now is not just on Israel, but really the, the target where the goalposts are is Jerusalem and the dividing of Jerusalem. And then there's another prophecy in Joel chapter 3. I want to read verses 1 and 2. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and, listen, they have divided up, keyword, my land. Oh, oops. No, that's, that's my land. Uh, my name is on it. Literally, by the way, we've talked about that prior. God literally put His name on Jerusalem. That's my land. Jerusalem, that's, that's mine. And you're trying to divide it up? You don't want to do that. Because in that day, I will judge those that divide my land. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.3, again, very well known. You'll usually, I want to venture to say, and I'll just put a percentage on it, probably in the high 90s in terms of a percentage, and that's maybe conservative. But when you hear these two words, peace and security, over 90% of the time it's in the context of the aforementioned two-state solution. Now, I've been studying Bible prophecy for many, many years, and I actually have in my archives files from, I know this, this is going to date me, but back in the late 80s, I was only five. But I have archive files of world leaders saying these two exact words, peace and security, within the context of a two-state solution which I believe is Hitler's final solution repackaged. And the reason I say that is because when one Yasser Arafat was still alive, remember him? You're trying to forget him? <laughs> well, when he was still alive and he would come to the U.S., he would say, we want peace with Israel. No, you don't. Because then he'd go right back to Ramallah and in Arabic say, 
Peace for us means the destruction of Israel. And it's no wonder because it's in the Quran with Muhammad before and then Saladin after. The whole point of Islam is to make peace with your enemy, then destroy them. Enter 1 Thessalonians 5.3. This is going to change the whole complexion of this prophecy. For when they say, peace and security, then sudden destruction comes upon, and I like this word a lot, them. I'm not a them. <laughs> them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And, and, and here's another word I like, similar, and they, they shall not escape. This is in the context of the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit writing about the rapture, and he delineates between they and we, them and us. They will not escape, but we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up. Harpazo in the Greek, the Latin raptus. That's where we get the word rapture. We. So if you hear nothing else that I say today, hear this, be a we. Let's talk about Daniel 9.27 now. This is again very well known, very important prophets. They're all important, but I'm tying stuff together, and I hope it'll all fit here in a moment. This prophecy provides us with specificity, because we're told here that he, speaking of the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant. Now, I think I would be remiss if I didn't explain the meaning of this word confirm, which has been the subject of much in the way of debate and conversation amongst Bible students and Bible prophecy teachers. In the Hebrew, it's the same word as it is in my native tongue of Arabic. It's the Arabic and Hebrew word ikbir, ikbir, which means superior, spectacular, stronger, greater, in other words, there's something already on the table. It just needs to be confirmed, made bigger, greater, enforced perhaps. It's kind of hard because when you talk about other translations in other languages, it's that textbook case of it gets lost in the translation. And this is one of those cases. There's not really an English word to really describe what this word means in the original. It is a word that implies that this is a covenant, a peace agreement, that will be made great, strong. It will be implemented. It will be enforced. It will be finally signed and You'll forgive the word, but for lack of a better one, executed. You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. 
How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.